guess what? You've done it again. You've tuned in to your favorite podcast. It's the No Class Podcast with Matt and Eddie. You paid for the whole seat, but you'll only need the edge. Well, starting off our episode of entertainment for you today, let's talk about the long con. Why wouldn't we? Can you tell me more about this long con? Well, I can tell you it got longer because it's going to be two weekends of fun now. That's insane. But I think you have some news. Absolutely. We have officially confirmed that we will be at the Hilton, the prestigious Hilton Garden Inn here in lovely Longview for both events. And what's special about the second event? Well, on top of role-playing games, which everyone can enjoy, we're going to have board games as well. So that's new and different for us. Since we were having it in the same location, same town, we figured we'd add in a little something to make it different. So if you want two wonderful role-playing experiences, we've got you covered. If you want one wonderful role-playing experience and one uh, board game con, you got it now. You can have two different things. You can mix and match, just whatever you like. Yeah, I remember at Red River, we had people there particularly that were like, hey, do you mind if we bring a board game? And we're like, dude, this is this is your con too. If there's a table that's free, you can find people to play, rock out, you know. And I remember people playing a board game during one slot and having a good time. I'm cool with that. I love gaming, period. I've always loved just, and you, you I mean, video games, board games, role-playing games, whatever. I love gaming. Yeah, so this is a time that you can set aside specifically to indulge your love of RPGs or board games, which is usually the decision we have to make. Yeah, and that's the thing about it is, for people that don't know, this is kind of a, kind of, I don't say it's a big step, but it's, a, it's definitely a departure because we agreed early on, we're like, we want to do a con, we're doing an RP con, and if people are like, why don't you have special guests? Why don't you have board games? Why don't you have other bells and whistles things that were kind of off the beaten path and we're like we're going to keep our focus pure and so kind of i I still feel like with long con we the original we've kept our focus pure so with this other one we might try some of that shim sham yeah shibble shabble and see how and if y'all are receptive we might try other things you know now let's not get crazy i mean furry con right on all right, this wraps up the shameless, shameless self-promotion, there's one I can't say, portion of the show. Our topic for you today is one near and dear to Matt's heart, the satanic panic. <laughs> so, not gaming related necessarily, but how did you become aware of the satanic panic in general? When was the first time you heard of it? The very first time I got a taste of, of it was... I would probably I started playing D and D when I was in, I think the fifth grade. I always forget that you've been playing, not for so long, but for so long it was a part of your childhood. Long. I didn't start playing until I was an adult. There so. you go. Uh, yeah, I was probably like eleven when I started playing. That was like nineteen eighty, so longer than oh, most of our Lord. listeners have been alive. But uh, anyway, there's a buddy of mine, and you know, I'm a kid from the country, so I mean this is even more. Off the beat path. But anyway, a buddy of mine, we'd met, we became pals, and I introduced him to role playing games. He's a country boy at me, still plays to this day. His kids play. Uh, anyway, I uh, had my hardbound original first edition AD&D books. But, you know, things that would 
come to me from people that, oh, I got to quit or I moved or whatever. I'd acquired the red book and the blue book. You know, these were like basic and expert D&D. Just the book. Somebody had lost the boxes and everything else, kids. And so I gave him the red book and the blue book. I said, well, here, if you want to try to run something or kind of learn more about the game, whatever. And so he had those and loved it. And, man, he's in class scribbling out dungeons on graph paper and populating them with monsters and just having fun. Just dungeon crawls, which is, you know, I think what a lot of us did when we were kids. And it was seemed like it was a week or two later. One day he shows up on my doorstep and he's like, with the red book, blue book in hand, and he's, hey, man, i got to give these back to you. And I'm like, what's going on? He goes, well, my mom was reading The Globe, which is like a less, a, a more tawdry inquirer. It's like, or like The News or something. Yeah, Cowboys. Probably, yeah, yeah, The News, the one where Bat Boy and JFK are living in a bunker somewhere with Elvis. I think that's Weekly World News. Yeah, yeah, a, a really classy magazine. Mm-hmm. And so, God bless my friend's mother, but these are salt-of-the-earth country folk, that's all I'll say. And so she bought into you know, anything in their lock, stock, and barrel. Apparently the article was that uh, somebody had started playing D&D and you know, it destroyed, corrupted their mind where they ran out and like murdered their whole family or something. And they were a good boy before this, a good boy, you know, from a, a good home. And so she was like, I want that out of my house. I'm kind of lucky that she didn't just burn it, destroy it, mm-hmm. whatever is the gist. And so being the good kid that I was, I said, what I'm hearing is we can't play at your house anymore. <laughs> so, I mean, yeah, he gave me the books back, but we, we kept playing. We just never played. Changed then, the venue. And the hilarious thing is probably six months later, God bless, she had forgotten all that. It blew over and we were playing games over there again. Which you're talking about like 1980, 81 for that? This would be probably a few years after that. So this would have been, yeah, I mean, like, you know, 81, 82, 83. Yeah, in that time frame. Okay, let me ask you another question. And I've done a little bit of research, but what do you think started the satanic panic? That's that's an excellent question. Um, well, Thank we, you. Well, you have to think, the thing about it, this is, I want to real quick hold that thought, but it's like what I find amusing is initially when the whole satanic panic thing happened, at first it was like, oh, you play D&D. You're a bad boy. It's like, yeah, I play with a dangerous game that makes people murderers and, you know, down with Satan. Woohoo! And at first it's like, oh, you're kind of sexy, like some bad boy shit. But pretty soon it was like, nah, we got that total nerd connotation. And they're like, oh, no, you're just some harmless dork. But there was still that, you know, oh, D&D. When you tell people, oh, I play D&D, you know, that's satanic. But anyway, go ahead. So you know, you've done some research. Where did it first come from? Well, what I'll tell you first is what I thought it came from. The Schick track? No. Um, think, get in your way back machine, and you'll remember this better than me. Do you remember in the 70s, there were a lot of popular movies with the devil? Yeah. You had The Exorcist. You had The Omen. Satan was on an all-time popularity spike. I'm trying to... Uh, some of my notes here. 1966 is when the Church of Satan was founded by Anton LaVey, right. if you remember in that. California, absolutely. Uh, somebody, a uh, Hollywood starlet, was part of that church. Exactly. So, with that, Satan got pretty popular. Yeah. Then in 1971, I believe, was the Exorcist novel. Yeah. 73 is the movie. So, I think that's what really started putting Satan back in the mind of people. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, kind of troubled times and it getting more popular. 
1981, that famous novel, Mazes and Monsters, came out, Ugh. followed by the movie in 1982. TV movie with Tom Hanks. Yeah. Uh, a young Tom Hanks. Throwing more dates at you. Uh, 1980, there was a book that's classified as kind of the one that kicked everything off, which is Michelle Remembers. Have you heard of that one at all? No. Now, this is your, your you stumbling. Blowing your mind? Yeah. So, this one, you've probably heard a lot of similar stories of this about uh, she went back in her repressed memories and talked to her psychologist and they uncovered all these memories and you hear that about a lot of things but this one was about ritual satanic abuse that she had been abused as a child and her mind had closed it off and she was not allowed to remember it and I don't want to get into we're talking about the satanic panic but I really don't want to get into anybody's religious beliefs but apparently she could not remember any of this until God and the Virgin Mary allowed her to remember it something in like her thirties or forties so that the story could be told. Mm -hmm. So that's before the satanic panic becomes in any way related to D and D I would say. I mean, we talked about mazes and monsters that kind of <clears throat> gets in there, but there was a satanic panic prior to D and D. Yeah. This just kind of dovetails in there. Right. So two of the things that really took a hit, with a satanic panic were heavy metal music. Sure. Absolutely. That's where I would come in more for going like, Ugh, people are like, you listening to this music, you're going to be, that will lead you down the path to the devil, not you playing this game. But let's talk about the album covers and the lyrics didn't, didn't help. You know what I mean? Like we know a lot of it's unfounded, but and that's typical people at a quick glance at these album covers, a quick listen of some lyrics. And you're like, yep, these guys are a bunch of Satanists. Everything they said is true. And then there was a the crap about playing records backwards, but they were like, play Queen backwards. And you're like, those guys weren't Satanic. I mean, you know. But, yeah, because you had a Stairway to Heaven with My Sweet Satan. Yeah. But uh, but that's the thing with D&D, &D, to do themselves any favor. The original book covers were awesome. I love that old art. Um, but, I mean, the player's handbook has a large devil idol on it, you know, grinning manically and a bunch of lizard corpses. And then the cover of the, you and I know, or most of you might would know at a glance, oh, that's an Afridi, which is a elemental creature of fire, not a demon, but he's a great big red creature with flaming hair, sent in by a sea of fire. Oh yeah, when you're thrown into hell, it's a sea of fire. It looks like this is supposed to be hell and he's some big demon. Well, of course the party's fighting him, but regardless, people saw this imagery and they were like, that looks satanic. And, you know, there we go. Yeah. That's oh, and one more one that I want to throw at you sure. for Satan's all-time high popularity. You also had the Zodiac Killer and uh -huh. the Son of Sam. Yeah. So all this, Satan is looming large in the mind of people around the early 80s. Yeah. Which and I think is kind of unusual. You don't hear anything about, like you had the communist the well, Red Scare in the 50s. But if you think about, um, you know, during the Reagan era, I remember as a as a younger person, then there was always like the moral majority, the moral majority. So the, And then there was the popularity of the PTL Club, Oral Roberts and his ministry. So there were a lot of like these TV ministries that were coming into people's homes. And I can remember, um, what's the, Jimmy Swaggart, the guy who like, wow, couldn't stay away from prostitutes. I remember him ragging on D&D &D on one Sunday. Another time he was uh, talking about the evils of arcade games. And I'm like, arcade games? I mean, you know, it, but yeah, I mean, it was like basically I realized, oh, anything that teenagers are doing essentially must be evil. 
they're an easy right. target, you know. Yeah, well, yeah. So, but parents rarely like what their kids are doing. Just yeah. kind of like, you know, at a certain age, they were listening to that rock and roll music. Yeah. Maybe you had Alice Cooper growing up, and they've got Marilyn Manson. It's kind of the same. Yeah. They're just somebody shocking you. Well, I mean, back in the days, you know, Elvis Presley was ran out of the South exactly. because he gyrated his pelvis. Oh, it's 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 uh, it's unseemly. He's gyrating, you know. And now we if we saw that now you'd be like meh, you know. Kind of like Alice Cooper and Marilyn Manson. Yeah. It's very hard to be a shock rocker anymore. Yeah. What would you have to do to shock somebody in this day and age? Yeah. Bite the head off a bat. You know. So that's kind of how the Satanic Panic got started. Yeah. Now, in 1985, BAD was founded. Mm-hmm. Bothered about Dungeons and Dragons. And that's probably where TSR really becomes aware of it. It starts to get that bad press, the kind of 60 minutes news pieces on D&D, and getting associated with the devil if you believe what we, we've read or been told i mean uh gay gygax who created Dun- who co-created dungeons and dragons he was upset about this and not just because well this might hurt business he was particularly upset because as it turned out he identified as a jehovah's witness right yeah see a lot of people don't know that you know so you have to imagine that would be particularly upsetting. That, but that's why the funny thing was when they reissued the covers, like who was fifth, sixth, eighth, twentieth printing of the original D advanced D and D books, they dramatically changed the covers. That artwork poof went away. Anyway, and I and I don't think and I always laughed. That was I don't think that was an accident. Um, definitely not. Yeah. But that was a reaction to the satanic panic. And you, when they issued second edition D&D, away went half-orcs, assassins as a class. Thieves are not only called thieves. Now I think they're called rogues. Mm-hmm. You know, all these things to sort of sort of clean things up, you know. But, yeah. So we know that you played as a kid. Me, on the other hand, I really didn't start playing until I was out of the house. But. I did have that fine game, Hero Quest, which is basically D&D with a board like Monopoly. That was fine because it was sold by Milton Bradley or Parker Brothers or whatever it was, which has always struck me as interesting and almost a type of hypocrisy. But, you know, if you don't put the devil on the cover and you call it something else, then it's fine. Um... I guess one of those interesting stories for me, and we're kind of jumping ahead or whatever, but um, when I was younger, you know, I loved D&D. I knew there's nothing wrong with it. There's nothing bad about it. It's a, it's, it's Gaming is a wholesome pastime. It's like anything else. It's what you make it, what you make of it. I mean, yeah, if your friends play D&D and y'all sacrifice a goat and wear black robes and go, um, or whatever, and turn the lights down and have a candle, yeah, you're the kind of people people might be upset about, but ultimately... 99.999% of people playing. It's just a harmless game. And actually, nowadays, you, you see articles where, you know, oh, D&D will cures your gout. It's good for kids who are autistic. It, you know, helped, it helped my kids socialize, you know. This one kid's doing better in school now. They play D&D. They've came out of their shell. D&D's great. It's, it's, it, it is what you make of it. 
but like I said, I remember I was I was never ashamed of, of who I was as a nerd or a gamer or whatever. But it's funny I kind of learned to be. And the incident that that taught to me to be was one of my first jobs as a nurse after I graduated was 1993-94. I was working at a psychiatric hospital that's defunct, so I'll mention its name, Highland Hills Hospital, Triple H. And as it turned out, unbeknownst to me, a number of the people that worked there were Sunday Christians. Well, what do you mean Sunday Christians, Matt? If you don't know, think it through. But yeah, these people were quite devout on, on Sunday. The rest of the week, they're smoking and drinking and cavorting and adulterating and whatever. I won't go into that, but people like that amuse me. But uh, at one point, they had hired a guy to be a counselor because he was cheap. Because basically, he had some very basic uh, counseling you know, uh, training through his like some sort of church training or whatever to help. And that's great noble that he was a counselor and was in the local church with one of these people that were one of the administrators of this hospital. So they had him helping out on weekends or whatever when no one wanted to work, the other counselors. And so one day I'm on my break, my lunch break, which in my mind, I'm on my break. I can do whatever I want within reason. A new supplement just came out for, this would have been probably second edition D&D. I busted out my supplement. I'm cocked back in a chair. I'm reading it. I'm having a great time. So the guy walks up and he was always real pleasant and real jovial and just very amicable. And he's like, hey, what you doing there? And I'm like, oh, I'm reading a cool new supplement for, you know, Dungeons and Dragons, blah, blah, blah. And I, you know, I'm all excited about something. I'll talk your ear off. And he smiled. He nodded. Oh, that's real interesting. Whatever. Yeah. Okay. Well, bye. Thought into that exchange. Well, I work weekends. Well, like the next Monday I'm sleeping in because I worked like back-to-back 16s, get a call, hey, man, would you come in? We need to talk to you. I'm like, huh, wonder what's up. Maybe I'm getting a raise or something. Right. Yeah, I'm, no, I mean, because back then, at this job, I gave 110%. Everybody loved me, blah, blah, blah. So I show up, and, and I go into this other building nearby, the administrative building, and uh, go this labyrinthine, you know, halls back into this office. And basically, this is one of those, like, oh, we got a witness, keep the door open. Uh, just across the desk from me is the director of nursing. She's like, I'm, I'm just really upset. I'm really disturbed. And I'm like, shit, what's going on? I'm like, have I been accused of doing something inappropriate with one of our patients? Or, I mean, what? my mind is reeling. Like, what could this be to have this kind of sit down and these stern faces? We're like, we're very concerned. We're, we're, we're really worried. I'm like, what's going on? Get to the chase. Did you, did you bring some Dungeons and Dragons book up in here? And I'm like, yeah, and my lunch tote. I was looking at on my break on my time. Well, we'd appreciate you not bringing that sort of thing in here, and we're going to be praying for you. I literally couldn't help myself. I busted, which pissed him off worse. If you know people, I just started laughing. I mean, almost like tears in my eyes, like, oh, my God, I was so worried I had done something genuinely wrong. or There was something I'd been blamed for something just incredibly terrible, you know, that was going to threaten my job. And they're like, you better take this seriously. And I'm like, I tell, I'll make you a deal. This is your place. Y'all own it. I won't bring that book here again. But I'm like, but you are coming from a place of great ignorance. You need to learn something about something, you know, think for yourself. I don't care what someone told you somewhere, but they were ignorant and you're buying into it and you're spreading ignorance. I was, I mean, yeah. But after that, I learned if I ever took one of my books like to work with me to read on my time it got a praying, you know, a, a, like a, 
like when we were kids, you'd put the brown paper bag, brown paper bag cover on it. Everything got that. And that's funny. I'd bring this to the table. People would go, why are your D&D books always covered? And I'd go, well, because I take them where I please and I might look at them when I want to. But I've learned there's a lot of ignorance in the world. And that, that was my reaction to that. I mean, and, and tr- trust me, my treatment at that workplace got real chilly after that. I mean, before I was a model employee, they loved me. I mean, there was a definite change in the weather the way the wind blew after that incident. Yeah, so that's that's another incident dealing with the satanic panic and whatnot. So your friend had his books confiscated, basically. That he had to hand them over to you Yeah, his, as his a mom child. said, you can't have those in the house. And uh, as an adult, you got in trouble for having Dungeons & Dragons books in the workplace. Yeah. Have you had any more experiences with the devil? Or with Satanic Panic. Well, I mean, there's a friend of mine that he's one that got me into gaming. Uh Uh-oh. Yeah. And it wasn't too terribly long after this. And this guy, I mean, he got me into it lock, stock, and barrel. Loved it. Bought the books. We used to game together. He'd come over for weekends. and We would like, you know, when you're a kid. I mean, I still got my old DM book that you can flex. It's so worn. And there's pizza stains and... Mountain Dew stains, you know I mean? But they're visiting. I'd show up at his house or him at mine on a Friday. Maybe that other guy I talked about whose books he had to bring back to me. We would start gaming and just game. Because you're a kid, you can do this. Stay up all night. Maybe sleep in for a few hours and just gamed all weekend long. Like, we got to make that next level or whatever. Uh, and we just, we played the crap out of it. Well, one day, he, I didn't hear from him for a while. Didn't call, didn't return calls didn't seem i'm like what's going on and finally when i see him after like a month or two and we were pretty good pals i'm like what's going on oh he's like i found god him and his mother had gotten into a new church and his mother came to him and wringing her hands said i'm concerned i've heard bad things about this game and he and her marched out there to the burn barrel together with an arm load of all of his modules and adventures that he'd written, his dice, his books, and threw it all in the trash. You know, people in the country have a trash barrel that you, mm-hmm. you burn your trash, and they burn it. And now, I'm going to just say this, because it's the truth, that he told me while the player's handbook was burning, it almost looked like the eyes glowed. Ooh, maybe they did, though, because they were burning. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, but if he ever the hears this, hey, man, I love you, man, but y'all, you did say that. Either you or your mom did. But anyway, but um, and I was heartbroken. I'm like, why did you bring him to me? I mean, those dies. It was a safe books. haven. But no, but it's kind of like, I. How, but think of how bad that would be to go, well, this is bad, but here, I'll, I'll, I'll foist it off on you. It's okay to corrupt your soul. I mean, no. But, um, and I'll, I could tell you another interesting story. Anyway. Right. Yeah, that would be a first. Ha ha. <laughs> but anyway, one time when I was in high school at the at the Christian Academy, uh, I took my DMG to uh, school because we were playing a D&D group in the library on lunch breaks. And that's the best part was, even at that point, I think I kind of knew, I, I guess I was, I was never ashamed of D&D, but I had maybe a clue that at least the Christian Academy, this might not fly. So when the librarian came over one time, I'm like, what are you children doing? All right, we had a little bit of an interruption there for a second, but we're going to go ahead and get back to Matt's story now. Matt, take it away. So I think, as I was saying, the librarian, she was a sweetheart, little old lady. She comes over, what are you kids doing? And I blurted out, we're uh, practicing for a play. And she's like, oh, that's wonderful. 
What was the play? <laughs> yeah. the, the party goes into the dungeon and whoops all the ass and takes all the loot. But anyway, so I'm running this game on lunch breaks at the Christian Academy. And um, I, we, I, being it was the kind of a Christian Academy, there's no locks on any of the lockers. And so I kept my DMG in, in my locker. Well, this is where I might be validating some of this, you know, Satanism. Anyway, I was in class. I'm just sitting there and I'm doing my work or whatever. But suddenly, I'm mean, just out of the blue. All of a sudden, I just pop up and I go, whoa. I just I felt this premonition like somebody is doing is stealing my DMG. True story, man. I was like, whoa. So the devil told you. Apparently, Satan's like the the tool that I use to, to get to you. But no, or just psychic resonance of like, I put so much affection on this book, whatever. Or your spider senses. Maybe. But whatever it was, you can make your own decisions. That's me. I'm telling you, man, whatever you feel. I ran out, looked in my locker. My DMG was gone. Someone had taken it. What way to go with those quick instincts? you'd been about five minutes faster maybe you could have saved the day wouldn't that be nice but i ended up finding the guy who had it and i got it back that's my old original dmg i still have wow that's good but yeah but no i mean so there is the other side of it i'll give the full disclosure that yeah i mean how odd that i got this just sudden premonition that something you know oh and also while i was rifling through lockers looking for it i found the uh anarchist cookbook in someone's locker (laughs) at the christian academy i remember that and then you knew they were a satanist well, I don't know about that, but I knew they're they're an anarchist. <laughs> but just joking around with that. Yeah. So my experiences with the satanic panic are a little bit different because, like I said, I wasn't gaming. But here's, I guess, two little interesting stories of the devil from me. When I first came into the military and we got to tech school out of basic, my roommate told me that when he was a baby his grandmother had tried to sacrifice him to the devil and his mom had saved him and that they'd gone to the church for sanctuary or whatever. But that was the interesting story that he told me as a kind of a getting to know you story. It's pretty much unsolicited. It's like, and that's my background. So that was an interesting to lead off with. And then my personal story that Matt's already heard is one summer... One summer eve, uh, me and my dad were down on the Sulphur River having an adult beverage when we started hearing some noises. But it was out further. It wasn't on the like boat ramp area where we were. It was off into the, what do you call it, like the bayou of that area where you just had trees and water and Low really brush. unaccessible. If, you, if somebody wanted to get back there, they'd really, really have to try. Hacking with a machete or something. So we're listening, and we start hearing a noise. And he's like, do you hear that? I'm like, yeah. What is it? It sounds like some hobo's having a party or something. Some people out there hooting and hollering. Sounds like just a couple, though. And we listened a little bit more. I said, nah, that's a couple people out there having sex. So we just kept listening, and the noise got louder, and there kept getting more voices. And then all of a sudden... This kind of, what do you want to say, dissonant voices, kind of jumbled. I started getting organized. Chanting. And it was chanting. Then we heard a dog start barking. And then we suddenly heard that bark get cut off mid-bark. And we got the hell out of there as you would. (laughs) (laughs) We got home and we looked at the calendar and I think, what is it, like June 21st or whatever, where it's the summer solstice? Oh. It was that night. 
Holy crap. So, wow. I don't know. I've read the story before, but it still sends chills down my spine, man. Yeah, and we couldn't have been that far away from them. And they really would have to try to get out there. But it's in the middle of nowhere, Texas. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, even getting 20 people together to do anything <laughs> is impressive. Yeah. I grew up in a town where the population was 32. Wow. So, if that tells you anything. Yeah. We're small. You're definitely a small town boy, but me yeah. too. Yeah. But for me, the satanic panic wasn't about Dungeons and Dragons. It was just about. <laughs> Sounds like actual Satanists. <laughs> could be. But for me, it was just the looming threat that the devil is around the corner right now. That music that you're listening to could be the one thing that's going to tip you over into the devil's domain. Well, I can remember when enough people from the, the moral majority and all these church groups, the, the Baptist convention, they put pressure on Sam Walton and they, I remember I used to would go to Walmart over in the little town of Vivian and get my cassettes of Ozzy Osbourne or black Sabbath or whatever. One day, poof, I go in there. You couldn't buy them anymore. They weren't, they had, they were not going to sell any kind of heavy metal music because it was satanic. Yeah, I got all my tunes from Walmart. Thanks, Walmart. I appreciate you. But I got that. I told this story probably on the podcast already about the Metallica Jump in the Fire cassette single, which actually does have the demon with all the flames around it, and it says, Jump in the Fire. So, I mean, I was getting my cool, look how devilish this is. But I took mine into church, and the preacher said, Hey, that looks pretty cool, man. So that completely, yeah, that completely shaped my outlook because, I mean, you can imagine if he'd been like, the devil's in you, boy. How would that have affected my view towards him, the church, Christianity? So, I mean, I've told the story before and I'll give him props again. It's such a great story. I can remember listening to Motley Crue and me going to church every Wednesday and Sunday, but they had that one song, um, Shout Shout at the Devil. And then whether the song, where does it go? Where they go like the children of the bee or God bless the children of the bee. That's like the intro to it, if I remember correctly. And so I was like, what? I mean, I remember thinking like, I'm extra naughty listening to this. Yeah, if I only knew in retrospect. But all right, man. All right. I think that's going to wrap it up. But we may have a little bonus for you guys. Oh, yeah. Tonight, me and Matt will be rocking at the Nameless that's our game club here in Longview. We meet every other Thursday. So this is a Thursday as we record. We've got one of our members that was, was it arrested or just the game was broken up by the police back during the satanic panic? Yeah. When I was rapping with him about the satanic panic and kind of comparing notes, he said, yeah, sometime if I get a chance, I'll tell you the story about when the police broke up my D and D game. And, and, he, and because he said it in reference to me talking about the satanic panic, I assume it's, yeah, that that's the cause. Yeah, certainly, certainly. Yeah. So that'll be Mr. James Ward, not the James M. Ward, but our own James Ward, who's a good friend of ours. And, and we're a looking forward to that. master. Yeah. yeah. So we'll wrap it up now, but if I get any good at editing, I'll splice it in here and you'll hear our wonderful voices again a little bit more. If not, we'll just make it a kind of a, add on track to this where it's like, Hey, now that you've heard this one, go play the next one. So that's going to wrap it up from us for now. Take care. And thanks for listening. We'll catch you guys later. Bye-bye. Hello. Hello. We're on scene at the 
Longview Nameless Game Club, and we were talking about the Satanic Panic today, so we've got our own James Ward with us to tell us his story. Thank you. Thank you, Eddie. Uh, well, let's see. Well, you know, I, as you know, we're li- this is a, like a golden age of role-playing that we live in now, and I think people, particularly younger people that are playing, they, they just can't understand what it was like back in the uh in the 80s you know in those days in the height of the satanic panic they even joke about it now like oh the satanic panic ha 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 it was so for real you know and uh um when we when i was a gamer back in the in the early 80s um, you, you couldn't tell anybody. You couldn't say that. You couldn't tell your girlfriends. You couldn't tell your parents. You couldn't tell your, your friends that weren't outside of the hobby. I mean, we used to have, uh, we used to have like code words and stuff. Well, the story that I'm going to tell you about the time that it was, a game was busted up by the cops. Um, <laughs> there's the tease. Um, what was I? I would have been... 15 I think almost 16 um, and um, trying to th- yeah I think it was 15 years old so um, you know you, you would uh, we were meeting we're, we were trying to find a place to meet because we couldn't meet at the high school anymore um, because the football team guys would like lie in wait for us and jump us as we were leaving to beat us up because we played role-playing games. And um, that, and so we, 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 we went to try to find, so we were trying to find someplace else. And the guy, uh, my friend Dan, who was older, he, was, uh, he had graduated, so he was probably 18. Um, he was running the game, and he was like, hey, they have these rooms at the library that you can like check out and it says right on the thing for playing games studying da 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 playing games so he's like oh we'll go we'll just go reserve one of these rooms at the library and we'll go play so we thought great it was lovely it was wonderful so we went and we played and we actually did it a couple of weekends and um I think I guess before like the librarians caught on to what we were doing and then this this <laughs> this angry librarian came over like and came in and basically was like told us we had to get out and we're like what why what's wrong and she's like you know you can't be here you can't be here doing that and we said well we're playing we're just playing a game this is a game we're trying to explain it to her and she she looked at us and said that is not a game this, this is for playing real games, not whatever it is you're doing. And then, so we're all, because, you know, I'm, I'm 15 and like a couple of guys are 14 and 16. So we're all like, yes, ma'am. You know, <laughs> we're gathering up our stuff. And Dan is just not, not hearing it. And he's just all up in this lady's face and is like, we have every right. He's got all this sudden, you know, moral outrage. You know, it says games and da 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 So he's just like, forget it. We're going to play. So she leaves and we're like, Dan, man. He's like, no, sit down. We're going to play. You know, we have, you know, two hours left on our time. And so we sat down to play and we're playing in about, I don't know, half an hour or something goes by. And all of a sudden we look up and there's like two sheriff's deputies 
standing there at the door. One, there's like this older guy and a younger guy, and they come in, and like the younger guy is like super belligerent and is just like he's and apparently i guess she called and told the cops that we were gambling that like like it was some sort of like floating crap game that we were running there and uh the older guy you know he was like i don't know he seemed like a million years old at, to me he was probably like 50 but he was uh, you know he could you know he was that classic like just so tired you know <laughs> of life and he was just like please just leave just you know just go home go find someplace else can we just like end this without any drama but the younger guy I mean he was just like you know he was all in our faces and like what's going on and you know what do you call this and you know he was grabbing you know why you know this is dice and like he was like it was some sort of gambling ring or something that we were doing anyway so um you know you know, he, Dan was still trying to be, you know, kind of morally righteous about it. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and, but we were all just like heading for the door. But of course, they're all like arguing in the door. <laughs> so me, oh, who's my friend Rob, who was younger than me. I can't remember the other kid's name. But uh, we were like, we were so, we had all our stuff packed up. We were clutching our backpacks and we were like, just like going, please just slide over a few feet and we could zip out the door and disappear into the stacks, you know. But, uh, you know, and he, they were going back and forth. And, and finally, you know, Dan was like, he, he'd had enough. And so they escorted us out of the library and sent us on our way. That was that was that story. So I told you, it's not really that great, but <laughs> but that's what it was like. I mean, we used to have code words. I mean, Dan, we started calling it poker night because like that you sell, you know, oh, what are you guys doing? Oh, we're going to get together. What are you, what, you're getting together? What are you going to do? You got to say, so he would say, oh, we're going to, we're going to have a poker night. And everybody would be like, oh, okay. So like real gambling, fine. <laughs> you know? But if we said, "Oh, we're gonna play role playing games," then suddenly it's like, "What are you drinking the blood of infants? Are you what are you doing?" I mean, there's something illicit about that. I got I got, I got a couple of years later. I'd gotten in trouble in school, maybe a year later, and I was required to see a counselor. And uh, so this is a this is a freebie. I'll give you a second little mini story. So the counselor at the school, you know, was talking to me, and I mentioned, oh, you know, what do you like to do? Oh, you know, do this and then uh, hang out mostly. And I mentioned, oh, I play role playing games. I play like, and I I knew it, the minute it came out of my mouth, I was like, oh, what what did I do? I should never have said that. I broke the code. You ne you know, it's like what happens at D&D &D Club stays in D&D &D Club, you know. The only rule is you never tell anybody about D&D &D Club. And, uh, and I, the minute I said that, I could see her expression change. And she started asking me questions, essentially being like, well, why don't you like yourself? Because obviously the only reason I would play a game where I pretend to be something different to, is because I must hate my real life because there's no other reason right and this was a this was a psychologist but that was the prevailing that's what people thought you know anyway so that was that was the height of the satanic I look around now and I just think it's crazy 
that the you know people are so open about it and they're so i mean like there's huge convention i mean it's just it's been we used to i had some buddies here's another free story I had some buddies that were in when I got into college and they were like kind of filmmakers and they made like a little video, like a, like a science fiction, basically. It was like a little comedy video series, an alternate future in a world where people were paid to play Dungeons and Dragons, that there were professional Dungeons and Dragons players, that people would actually go to stadiums and watch them play. Can you imagine what a crazy fantasy world? That would, that would never happen in a million years. That was their, their whole story was based in this like crazy alternate reality. We're living in it. I mean, these, these Twitch shows, people pay... Twenty, thirty dollars a ticket. They fill stadiums to watch these uh, 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 Acquisition Incorporated and Critical Role and High Rollers and all these crazy shows, which is fantastic. You know, I think I told you the story about the first time I went to Gen Con when it was still in Wisconsin, and I saw g- girls. There was like two. I saw, but I saw girls playing role-playing games, and I was just like, "Oh my gosh!" My mind was blown. Like, holy cow! Like that was just that was unheard. It was like a unicorn, you know. And the I like a couple of months ago, I was at a a game store in Dallas, and I walked in, and there was a whole table, girl, a lady DM, all the players. It was a girl role, play, a female role playing group. And I I said to the guy that runs the store, I said, "Hey, man, that's awesome." And uh, he was like, "Oh yeah, we have three. That's the one that meets like Tuesdays." And I was just like, oh, where, where were you <laughs> when I was 15? You know? Anyway, it's so much better now, but we can be, we're, we can be loud and proud, man. All right, that's my story. Well, I still know people that are in this room that say they're at poker night right now. <laughs> so, I mean, it hasn't completely yeah, gone away. And I was talking to somebody the other day at a NTRPG, and because of their job position, they thought if they if somebody found out that they went to a role-playing game convention, that could adversely affect their career. And I've known lots of undercover D&D players. I've had people at work that would walk past me and act like they didn't know me. But Friday night, we're throwing the dice together. It's like, nah. All right, so the joy of recording during some gaming sessions. We got a little bit of background noise noise going on, but hopefully that won't affect it. Uh, got a stranger here that's going to say hello. This is Matt. We just really thought this story would be interesting and y'all would appreciate it. And hopefully we'll get James back again to tell us his story of when he gamed with Gary Gygax. It's, if you like that one, I think you'll like that one too. So... This is us, No Class Podcast. I'm out. It's Matt. Later.